Can you take me back the first time, if you remember, the first time you saw Pole? First time you interacted with him? I was getting baptized, and I can remember him at a bonfire. <sighs> What's weird is I think the first times I remember him, I can actually remember him, like seeing him, him being as if you or I are here, right? I could see the body, but I was never questioning, is anybody else seeing this guy or who's this? I didn't ask anyone. So for some reason, these questions that could have so helped my understanding, I never asked. And it drives me crazy to this day. But as I got older, Paul seemed like he was on my shoulder, not on it, but behind, just out as if he's in your peripheral vision, right? And you'll hear his voice and his voice was so, let me see. If you want to go, you must understand. I, but I can understand him so clear. He talk, he definitely spoke at length about God. He said that in God's garden, worms get cut in half. Does he delight in the worms being cut in half? Is he sorry that he cut the worms in half? Or does he not care? Who do you want God to be? We're the worms. And so, uh, whenever something bad would happen, I remember my grandma died, and uh, he essentially said that God created because he weighed existence versus non-existence and decided that existence was better. And that the act of existing, or existing in and of itself, is the secret of what God is. It's like from out of nothing, something. Hole was like, I don't know, not an angel or whatever. He was like a teacher or a, a, a guide or something like that. I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to Euphemet, a show about the unknown and our relationship to it. On this edition, the hills of West Virginia have many shadows, some of which shirk suggestion of just following behind a roaming soul. Some shadows intend to lead. What happens when you are the sole inheritor of guidance from beyond? What happens when your shadow has a voice that only you can hear? Next on Euphemet. Where are we at right now? We are in Sutton, West Virginia, home of the Flatwoods Monster. And we're standing right outside the Flatwoods Museum. Is this like a coal, was this a coal town at one point or something? I, or? Think, I think most towns in here were coal towns, yeah. Past guest, paranormal investigator Greg Newkirk has driven me deep into the hollers of coal country to talk with a man he met whilst on a previous visit to the town's popular supernatural attraction, the Flatwoods Monster Museum. This monster, an alleged visitor from beyond, perhaps extraterrestrial, gave the townspeople the scare of their lives when, like some anomalous road tripper, its mode of transport suffered mechanical failure in a nearby field, leading to a somewhat accidental, now notorious, run-in with locals. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, you get a sense of nostalgia just stepping out of the, out of the van immediately, right? It's a time machine. Should we go inside? Yeah. Let's check this out. Let's do it. Creeks flow, the energy passes, and the rocks 
you know, kind of distort the water for a little bit. And sometimes you'll see minor pools forming on the side, yeah. like the doors, like the flow. I get what you're saying, definitely. And the flow definitely flows much more this way than that way. I, uh, well, since I was a little kid, I don't know. Do you guys see like the clear, like the force field here, here, like on your fingertips? You see how it goes like... That's the thing about West Virginia. These occurrences of hypernormal experiences are often, yet fleeting. The South, however, does not forget easily, and these monsters, these visitors, leave a lasting impression that's not lost with time. Their influence seems to grow. The lore of it all sticks around like some coal stain. The stories, like the chip rocks from where they're born, crack open to reveal the real truth. Maybe, just maybe, these experiences are more about us than the monsters we bear. What also seems to be true is that sometimes, like shadows, they follow behind us, and other times, they lead. When I look at, like, you can see the light at the end of them, uh -huh. duh, duh, duh. and from the very flesh, like, from the tip of your flesh to about this far, you have a feel. To about this far, I can see it really good. To about this far, I can kind of see it. So it kind of dissipates as it gets further, further away. away. But yeah, you're kind of like shine. Sometimes it's really cool when you can see colors, but that's kind of more a special thing. His come out to about like, I, I swear you could see it. It feels like, like when I run my finger through it, it's just the slightest tingle, like the weakest electrical, got, you can like a distortion. Yeah. basically just or like i'm cutting through something like a butter thing because here it almost looks like a uh oh god i can see it so like a, like a membrane like a membrane okay um but it's of energy i suppose i mean just whatever you're, comes off your body every day we meet wes in an old hotel owned by him and his father the barren rooms, floors of empty space, wood and dust are like a film set. It is, at face value, the scariest location I have been in all season long, and one in which holds stories of its own. These old wooden bones, seeing transient miners and sex work, no doubt moonshine, sweat, a taste of money, and a hope for betterment. It's also, according to local papers, the scene of death, bathtubs full of blood. There's a single household lamp illuminating this second floor foyer that we're sitting in. 60 watts separating us from the cool dark surrounding. Separating us from the storied past. Well, whenever I was a little boy, I remember this old indian guy hat face tattoos named pole imaginary friend or whatever i have a half brother and half sister but i essentially grew up as an only child i was always alone my both parents worked you know the whole story during the summers a lot of the times it would be pole and i i mean just speaking and he would tell me to do all kinds of things you know if i was sad he would say look uh this is just one little episode of life you got a long life to live da -da 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 would tell me this plant and that plant you can eat. I definitely saw them in my mind or heard them most of the time in my mind, you know? And for some reason, Paul always knew where the bones were.
whenever I would talk about it, um, I would just kind of get shut down. Later in life, I mean, they knew I, I was for real because people would feel... Sh I think maybe one time my mom saw something the same time I did and apologized profusely or whatever. But at the time, yeah, I, I told a lot of people. I just don't think that, you know, anyone really paid attention because maybe they were trying to keep me away from getting too far down that rabbit hole or, you know, whatever. Because I guess it could be dangerous, but, I mean, shit, since then we've all saw crazy stuff. My mom's family, they're called Sattlers. They came from this place, Wyden in Clay County. Before that, God knows where else, but they were traveling gypsy Jews and uh, several ghost stories from their family. Real crazy stuff. They, uh, my fifth great, my fourth great grandmother was dying. Third great grandma was a little girl at the time, was there watching. And they had a, fence around their house because they had cattle or whatever and they had a weighted gate heard the weighted gate slam and she looked and she saw a folded sheet floating about the height as if somebody were carrying it and it walked all the way up it was like just floating all the way up to the door and stopped and she went oh oh my god you know told it was either her grandma or her mother i can't remember which one this little girl told the woman who was dying there's a sheet, I just watched it, you know, the story. She said, oh, don't worry, baby, that's just a token I'm going to die tonight. Sure enough, she died. So, if this is an ancestral DNA thing coming from any angle, this is any kind of hereditary thing, I don't know. Is it because I'm horribly brain damaged? Don't think so, because it happened before I was too badly, like I had had too many head injuries. Am I a little bit like, you know, ooh, oh my God, a little bit crazy? Don't think so. I'm a really logical person. I look at shit from a logical perspective. I try my best to be a productive member of society. My God, I'm on town council and all this shit. I, it's just a fact of my life. It's not something that I let, you know, rule me. I don't just like, oh my God, you know, am I ever going to get him? I don't think about it all the time. It's just, I'm quite convinced that life is so much stranger than you know the daily grind of nine to five you know do this do that your your chores that is your life makes it out to be uh this is going to be difficult for some reason the memory of that day is corrupted uh, like the data I don't know how to describe it this totally changed things for me but I'll, okay okay so my brother and I um, we live on this little kind of shacky house beside the road in Sutton North High Street it's middle-class kind of place or whatever pretty nice childhood but we had to play outside a lot of course for internet and whatever. We're going over the hill on the other side of the far side of the road across from my house and it gets gradually steeper and steeper and steeper and the tree cover gets thicker and thicker. There's brambles and briars, whatever. I'm 
ahead of my brother he's doing something for some reason i want to say turtle shell maybe found a turtle shell or something and i'm walking around and there's maybe a little flat place i'm standing or whatever and i get this uh number one i get a feeling before anything else i get this like uh uh like some something and pole starts speaking incoherently maybe there's a lot of with this there's a lot of like like weird stuff and then it'll be seconds of clarity it was a warning maybe at first and said oh you know look over there look look what could be up there what is this and there's a little shoe above me like out towards the side and there's um it looks like trash and stuff scattered This is heavy. I walk up to the... Uh, I have to climb. Uh, it's kind of hard. I have one regular shoes and the leaves are a little moist. The hillside's moist. Climb up and I slide, climb up and I slide. And I get up and it's beside all this other trash and it looks unimportant. Um, moss has started growing. It was, a, it was, a, I believe, a white shoe. Uh, I remember only seeing white. God, it was about the size of my eldest daughter's shoes, and it had uh, moss and just dirt and waterlogged. Smelled bad. Didn't think anything of it, and I believe it was maybe around this time either Pulse had picked it up, and he compelled me in some way, say, you know, look in the shoe, what what's in there and I can remember feeling bad or something with his words I was getting other images of something bad right picked up the shoe and immediately I could tell that there was something odd about picking it up and I shook it and uh, long, just long bones black uh black flesh um, that it fe it fell and stayed together it didn't smell it only smelled like uh, like wet leaves number one the way it was handled was very bizarre Nobody really took it seriously, but the police did take it. I think they thought like maybe I was this or that, but these bones were very recognizable, right? You, they look like long bones of a foot, and if you see, you know, just look at a skeleton, they looked like those kind of bones. From my memory, and what's even more totally fucked up about this, is, you know, called the cops, done all the things, right? Didn't hear anything about it. We had a fire in which our local paper, the Braxton Democrat, was housed. And so many records, so much shit from our courthouse, so many things, all kinds of stuff was lost, right? And I don't know for certain that anything was lost, but I remember a, I'm almost positive this made the newspaper. At first, nobody thought, oh, even my parents were like, oh, it's, it's nothing. It was weird. We didn't really ever talk 
much about it at all after that. And I think maybe everybody just assumed that they had found it and it was a bear or whatever. Because at the time, that's when people were telling me, oh, there's a pair of bones, there's this and this is that. It was in a damn shoe. I've done research. I worked at the West Virginia State Museum for a good long while and I went through their records and all this shit trying to find anything about it. But of course this was pre-digital age and all this stuff and I pray to God that something just didn't get lost in the paperwork. Uh, and I would almost kind of be like somewhat responsible for not like pushing the issue, you know what I mean? I, I just should have done more. I think you did what you could, man. I really do. You know, when you're at a certain age, you can only do so much. The things now, in hindsight, you know, with more perspective or context or life, you know, experience, everything's different. The timing of all this is weird because after I found the bones, stuff started drifting away, like with pole and things like that. It was a couple years, maybe tops or whatever, but it got less and less. The stuff was less severe. And whenever Paul left, he essentially said, "Listen, I've you know I've got business elsewhere." I've got to go. He told me that it was going to be hard or this and that, but you're going to be all right. I only had one other dream that involved him since then, and it was maybe uh, a couple years ago. Uh, so I had a dream that I was in Mexico, I guess, and it was a oddly a shabby kind of, but it was a resort or whatever. This was maybe Yucatan, Acapulco, something like that, very tropical seeming. And I kept seeing things that reminded me of the hotel. And I uh, was talking to an old guy. I meet him up. He's wearing a tropical shirt. And he's talking to me. And then I hear a gong. Gong. Then I hear chalk mole. And everybody stops for a second while they say it. And then they keep on talking. So this happens a couple times. I'm talking to somebody else. Gong. Chalk mole. <laughs> but as these gongs keep happening, I start to be able to see an image that's overlaid over top of all this and it's of a guy and he's a native american right he appears to be in a stone sarcophagus and his phone his face appears to be uh getting brighter and brighter by the light of a fire and it'll be normal again he resembles pole somewhat this guy this man does but this is much more of an aztec Maya, th I mean, huge uh, gauges in the ear, many facial piercings and red stripe, either tattoos or something under his cheeks. And he's whispering, has a weird headdress on going, and I hear, and it's getting, he's getting sweatier and sweatier, hotter and hotter, hotter and hotter. And I got like, Jesus, my God, you know, it, it was uh, indescribable tension that eventually woke me up. Okay, so I go on about this and tell my family it's like you know i had the weirdest damn dream chalk mole chalk mole chalk mole chalk mole and my sister's like well uh <laughs> why don't you why don't have, did you have you tried looking up chalk mole you have the internet and i was like no and i didn't really know how to spell it so i gave a c-h-a-c-m-o-l i think i put in first right and the first hit i get is 
A chalk mole is, uh, have you ever saw these Mayan statues that look like they're laying on their back and they're holding something up and allegedly that's for people? That's chalk mole. Okay, and I, okay, so I have studied history a lot, right? But I can never recall specifically learning that that specific thing was chalk mole. And if I did, it was buried so deep within my subconscious that it, you know, whatever. It was odd that it would pop up this chalk mole, chalk mole, chalk mole, chalk mole. And I, that dream had such an odd sense of urgency and the way that it was mashed up between present and I thought it was very strange. So I went maybe a year, got an ancestor DNA test, whatever. I found out I'm Guatemalan. I was like, oh, that's cool. A little bit. It's not, you know, whatever. I was like, that's neat. And so I bring this up and I bring this up to my half brother, half sister, whatever, and say, look, and I present them with all this evidence and the thing about Paul when I'm young and all this shit. And they were like, yeah, but I think because I'm their brother, they're less inclined to believe me. However, both of them said from the time I was little that they could always tell that something was kind of odd or different or weird or whatever. And I think that perhaps all this Paul stuff, maybe this ability to see auras and, and all these things is somehow tied in number one with that dream number two with this pole or native american archetype that for some reason i have in my mind i i don't know but all this seems to follow uh, a similar thread and i just and i just can't work out the mathematics to connect it but um that's really the only example of a benevolent entity that I can think of in my life. What do you think that's trying to tell you? you have any guesses or is there any feelings about that? No, I mean, it's quite a dichotomy. I mean, really, there's a really nice guy. He's a really great guy, but I mean, shows you where dead feet are, bones, and taught me so much about plants and things that I could eat dandelions and make my liver feel good because my stomach used to hurt. He said, oh, it's actually your liver, eat dandelions. Weird, just crazy weird shit that I... Well, actually, I think I know the the basis of whatever all this is is telling me that living is so important. I can remember just him saying over and over again, gotta survive, just survive, just survive. Thing, when any, Whenever anything's hard, whenever anything's terrible, just remember, survive, survive, survive. And it seems so you know, Spartan just, oh, survive, you know, no, no matter how shitty it is or whatever. But I've thought about in times of great duress and things like this, this thing is the simplicity. It's like, oh, I mean, uh, if I'm, if I'm in it, I'm in it. I'm going to keep on living. So this may be terrible, right? But it's a, it's another breath of life. I mean, there's definitely some eloquence, much more eloquence than I think I could even put onto the shit that is told to me from within my mind, right? So to me that says that there's something. Objectively, it's really weird stuff for somebody so young to have imagined, right? And I'm by no means like some kind of weird funky genius or anything. I'm very normal, right? So it leads me to believe that something intelligent had to show me these things because I did not have this knowledge before that I know of. I mean, I, I was a little kid. 
it seems as though something intelligent had to guide me for what purpose I don't know but he was always such about respect love and kindness even to bugs and and things like that and I just feel like if I saw him I would just feel so ashamed to be in the presence of someone who I know was so great and ask who you are did you live where like uh and telling you I appreciate you so much for helping me through all this shit that you helped me through when I was a kid and things and uh why what was the purpose why did you want to help me if you helped other people how old are you what happens when we die do you know you know so many things that if I would have been older if I had just five minutes I I would ask and I just never thought to ask when I was a kid and uh, I regret it but I I just didn't know I was too young it was it was a blessing that if that if he be an imaginary friend or whatever the hell that was truly one of the greatest blessings of my life because I think you know, I've saw so many people fall and crumple and do all this shit. And my whole life I've just felt lucky. Like, uh, I, and I really think it's from at least some of the common sense, wisdom, or whatever that was imparted on me from my time with him. Um, I do miss him. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this edition of Euphemet. I'd like to thank Empty Faces for their support. Please check out their offers in our show notes and take advantage of these really great partners to the show. It's a really fun game you guys should check out, and I think you'd like a lot. Make sure to join us on Facebook. Our group, The Society of Euphemet, is where myself and listeners go to share their own experiences and talk about these episodes. So please join us. You can also follow us at Euphemet on social media and me at It's Jim Perry on Twitter and Instagram. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Your reviews do so much to help the show, and it's so much appreciated. And until next time, this has been Euphemet. I'm Jim Perry. Keep looking up. Thank you.